0: Love Talk Radio
1: Good evening everyone, this is Baseball is Good This is the 27th episode My name is Corey Engelhardt, I'm the host And tonight I am talking to um, a friend and uh, family member And I'm going to bring him on shortly And we can introduce him and get the show started Um, Let's see if this works Luke, are you there? Hello, Corey. Good evening, sir. How are you? How are you doing tonight? I should say good evening to the multitudes. Oh yeah, uh, there are quite possibly dozen of people listening, um, or will listen at some point. So yeah, it's it's quite a few, um, more than us listening at the moment. Um, I know my dog is sitting right here too, so she's listening. So yeah, you're right. Multitudes is a good good word choice. <laughs>
2: I'm doing good, man. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. I'm good. It's it's a uh, holiday season and busy and hectic and all that, but it's it's good. Life is good right now. So, how how have you been? You've been in town. I know this, but you've been in town for the last week or so. How has it been um, getting back to Minnesota?
2: Yes. Yeah, so who knew who knew that um, coming in from from LA to Minnesota, my life would get more hectic and and more uh more interesting, more exciting, more everything. Um, yeah, in town for the holidays is always hectic, but it's it's a good hectic. So it's good to see family, friends. Actually just walked in the door a couple of minutes ago from you know, an another outing. So, um gathering my breath, trying to get get warm again and uh sipping <laughs> on something that will help with that I
0: think.
1: Yeah, I I Probably know from personal experience that yeah, sipping on on things during just about anything um helps helps most moments in life really. So I can I can second <laughs> that that opinion. <laughs> so yeah, uh I um I have I don't want to butcher your last name and I I know I've done it even in person. Um who are you and and where are you, where did you grow up? Where are you from? Well, and, and I'll just, uh, you know, it's
2: coming from another, uh, long German convoluted last name. I can empathize, but yours is a little easier. <laughs> yeah, mine is Mueller Liley, But if you're in the the fatherland, as they would say, it'd be Mueller Leila, I believe. Mm-hmm. I might've butchered that as well. But, um, <laughs> I'm from Minnesota originally, as is, uh, a few generations, um, and, uh, yeah, I found myself out in, on the West Coast uh, about a year and a half ago and um, liking the uh, sort of early snowbird routine, if we can keep that up. But um, we're, we're stationed there for the time being. And I believe uh, the audience already heard from my better half, uh, your sister, uh, who's infinitely more talented and more uh, wise uh, in terms of all things baseball, but I'll try to keep up.
1: Well, we even mentioned about it earlier when we were talking before the podcast about how that's not necessarily true when you say all things wise, including baseball. There are a couple of things that my sister, and this is this is a month ago now, uh, has opinions about as far as baseball goes that you don't necessarily agree with. Um, one of them specifically is how she does not appreciate Clayton Kershaw's pitching motion and, and – I, I don't know that I necessarily agree with her opinion on that either. What are what are your thoughts?
0: <laughs>
2: well, yeah, I feel like I've um gone around the the, the drain and back on, on this one. I think uh I think she has some interesting points in terms of the sort of fundamental mechanics that a um you know, maybe a, a youth or high school or, or even a college level coach would would provide to a, an aspiring pitcher. Um, I think I'm of the persuasion that once you get to the majors, you have permission to do whatever you want to do in in your windup or stretch and and motion. And if you're able to uh, be at the, at the top of the league or better uh, year in and year out, I think you're doing something right. Um, That said, I will say physics wise or mechanically, yeah, perhaps she's got a point. There might be some things he could do to, uh, you know, keep his motion more fluid for um, to support a longer term career. But uh, I think
1: he's doing he's doing all right so far. This <laughs> last World Series notwithstanding. Sure. He's made a name for himself. I, I that's There's no doubt about that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I believe you named your uh, one of your sons after him. Is that
1: correct? Uh, Kind of. I I don't know that I would (laughs) loudly project that. It was named specifically after him, but um, one of my children, Clayton, um, definitely shares a a first name now with uh, both my my mom's dad and who I believe is maybe the greatest left-handed pitcher of all time, but it's up for debate still. He's not done yet. But, yeah, you're right. I, I could go with that and just say, I named one of my kids after left-handed major league starter. What, what's up with anyone else? Who, why they name their kids? You know, like it's a good argument.
2: Yeah. Either way, either way, you're covered. Although I might take, well, me and probably several uh, several hundred thousand uh, Dodgers fans might consider Kofax up there as well. So we'll have to see who wins out in the end.
1: Sure. For for a left-handed well, yeah, so- thing. but um. You, you mentioned uh, coaching as far as youth and high school and college. You, you have experience playing youth and high school and college baseball all in Minnesota as well as after college playing Woodbat that amateur baseball. And I kind of wanted to get your thoughts generally maybe on your, on your baseball career, specifically what, what got you into liking the sport as a young child, what, what pushed you towards Towards liking baseball, I guess.
2: Yeah, well, I think you know we're we're kind of of the same generation that got to grow up with uh, some of the best years of the Minnesota Twins. That's I hope we're we're looking on a, another good um, era coming. Well, starting with really this season and, and moving forward, hopefully. But um, yeah, I really think my first baseball-related memory, or at least the one I re- I re- I look back on photographs of um me and my grandpa at the the ticker tape uh parade in 87. <laughs> we're all bundled up and super excited. I'm not sure if I knew what I was cheering for at the time, but um certainly by the time 91 rolled around, I was fully fully on board. My um, eyes were glued to the TV all all 7 games. <laughs> and uh yeah, I think just seeing um that that you know those exciting uh, seasons with the twins, I think my my dad who played um, youth uh, baseball and we'd always be playing catch in the backyard, and then that quickly turned into games of what we I think they would call, still call it hot box or basically mm-hmm. rundown uh, drill <laughs> exercises. What turns out to be when you're older kind of a, a bit of a drill and, and tiring, but when you're young and you have all the energy in the world, it's fun to run back and forth from stick we stole or, or borrowed uh, parking cones or something from a local um, uh, parking lot, and, and those served as our two bases. To so Me and the neighbor neighborhood kids would run back and forth and play hot dogs for hours, and eventually we started to introduce, you know, three, four bases into the game, and worked our way up to probably tennis tennis ball and, and cul-de-sac ball and tee ball and then all the way up. So I think it just yeah, it was a pastime. It would came with the territory and um and it's yeah, something that I've I really cherished uh for yeah, the majority of my life as as uh more than just a sport. I think it's been just something that felt natural and felt like something that you just do it when the when the seasons uh change to to spring and summertime. Um I remember um, the the first the first memory I think I have other than the the Twins World Series was when my dad gave me his old glove. And he he played a lot. Um not a lot of organized baseball, but played through through high school and had an old sort of uh, infielder's, I'm not really sure, infield, outfield gloves. that was uh, Al Kaline by um, Detroit, former Detroit yeah. Tiger. Not super well known, but I, I got to know him through my looking at my palm. And I, looked, I, don't, I, I remember this because I looked at my palm quite a bit and shook my palm quite a bit because, you know, you get a hard line drive that you catch not quite right in the web, and I would feel every inch of it because there was not a whole lot of protection left on that glove. It seemed a lot of wear and terror. So I remember using it in the early days but also I also remember my first upgrade to uh, a more modern um uh, knit which was which is also exciting. So yeah, it's it's fun to be home now and sort of be in a reminiscing mode of of uh things we used to do when we when we grew
1: up. Sure, and well and then um from that point I I understand you played varsity baseball for a few years and even, even had the chance to play college baseball for a while. What were your, do you have memories of your high school time for, for sports that you played?
0: Yeah.
2: I mean, I think um, I was uh, a year
1: behind um,
2: uh, Joe Maurer. And I think, you know, even then he was a a bit of an institution, you know, he was famous for striking out, I believe only once in, um, in his high school career and the reason I bring him up is oh, I did play against him a few times, um, but I remember him being interviewed at some point, maybe when he was uh, you know, looking into being drafted or, or perhaps going to a big play at Florida State uh, for football. People would – he was so good at football, baseball, um, but he also was all state in basketball, so a lot of people don't remember. Mm-hmm. And they kind of said, well, what's, what's your favorite sport? How do you decide what you're going to do? And – you would say, well, the, it's the one I'm currently playing. You know, it's the one that <laughs> when when it when it turns summertime, it's baseball. In the fall, it's football. And I think that was kind of my mentality. I to play those three sports, although basketball, when I, when I stopped growing, that no longer became all that palatable. But, um, yeah, I was able to play at a high school and college level for both baseball and football. And um, even though it was, you know, Division three, it was a thrill to be able to play you know, on Saturdays and, and build those kinds of uh, relationships with, with friends. I think, you know, especially once I, uh, once I got out of high school and realized that there's, there is more to life, although baseball is a big important part of um, of my life today. Uh, <laughs> it was just a great way to make incredible friendships and, and, uh, you know, go through a lot of, uh, hard times, particularly in college. The, the college I played for was uh, Carleton College, and we weren't particularly well-known for our athletics or particularly uh, football. Um, baseball, we had some success, and uh, I always looked forward to sort of the, the off-season when we could, um, yeah, have just kind of relax a little more and hang around the Diamond and and uh, just really enjoy, you know, being outside and,
1: and um, having a good time with, with my friends. So how long how long did you play baseball at Carleton? Did you play for three four years or what was that experience like playing college baseball?
2: It was it was a lot of fun. Um, like I said, football was always more regimented. Um, we had off season lifting, we had conditioning. You know, even in season there was all that. And week to week, you're studying the opposition, watching tapes you're you know, I played on the defensive side of the ball, so you're learning the opposing team's offense. And, you know, at the D three level at least, it was not all that um complicated. Uh so it still felt like there was a little bit of a, a lingering connection to just the raw sport. You know, you go out and you play. Yeah, I mean sure you sure you mm-hmm. practice and work on some skills, but in the end it was just kind of showing up uh, for the game. And I, I really enjoyed that dynamic or the the the, the the different feel of playing the two sports in college or baseball felt, um, still he had, you know, there was those charge moments and, you know, um, thrilling, uh, games and things like that. Um, but in the end it was a lot more relaxing and, and just, uh, you know, it all in all, just a really good time. Um, I was fortunate to play, you know, four years, uh, actually for both sports, um, came in and a pretty, relatively, uh, you know the depth of our squad wasn't all that great uh so i had a chance to kind of start early and yeah had a chance to play for um uh, four years and we had some good success we we were able to at one point beat our crosstown rivals at saint olaf which was always a nice feat and mm-hmm. um, went down to texas every year to san antonio for spring training uh quote unquote for for a week and um <laughs> Yeah, we actually set up at uh, Trinity uh, uh, College down there, which was typically in the top 10, top 20 um, at the D3 level. And one year we squeaked out a win against them. And that was probably, among, at least among the, the guys in my grade, our our the highlight of our four years was, was, was beating them early on in the season when these guys were playing pretty much all year round. And the majority of us were, you know, Cooped up in the um, in the rec center in the winter, and so our first uh, attempts at outdoor baseball were literally on that trip. So it's thought that was a, a pretty impressive feat for our our squad to, to go down there and, and take care of them once. But um, yeah, it was just it was just fun. That's all. I, I wish I had something more compelling, but it's just it was just a good time and um, relaxed environment, and I think that. That was a nice transition. Then, when I graduated, into town ball um, and playing, sure, you know, amateur ball with uh, the Minneapolis Lakers of the Park National League um, for for four or five years after college. And, you know, I think honestly, that was sometimes even um, a level up from from what the competition in college. Because a lot of those guys played college baseball, some at a higher, even higher level. And um some doing it for sure. quite some time, and um it's always fun to play with the wooden bat as well, so yeah, definitely feel like it, my career, so to speak came, came full circle from uh you know playing scrappy hot box at a young age to playing wooden bat ball in my uh i hate to say older years, but um <laughs> the years where I wasn't moving as fast as I used to. Well, so, and, yeah, and,
0: and, and Minnesota. Yeah, talking to somebody yeah. who's
1: still playing. Well, I I don't know. I don't know that you are necessarily. I, I oh. may be done <laughs> as well. My shoulder might be hampering my my future outlook. But yeah, you played you played amateur ball in Minnesota for four or five years. How did how did you get? I feel like you told me once, but how did you get involved with the the Lakers? Because that's one of the higher end um, known teams. In um Class A amateur how did how did you get were there people that you knew on the team or did you try out like how did you get involved with with them before you started playing
2: yeah the the yeah they they we typically had a pretty uh, competitive team um, actually the majority of the guys that were on the team when I started were from uh, McAllister College and they had a a pretty strong baseball program. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think still do, um, had a, a strong coach and, and we pretty good at recruiting out state talent, but yeah, there was a core contingent of guys that were from the twin cities that stuck around and wanted to keep playing. So that was kind of the, the core. And then myself and, a and, um, a friend of mine who, who stuck around the twin cities for a, a year after college, we joined that summer and he, he moved on, but I kind of, I stuck with it for, uh, four year four more years or so and and yeah it it really felt like a continuation of the atmosphere we had at college you know McAllister and Carlton are definitely rivals in terms of um MIAC sometimes for the wrong reasons we find ourselves that when they were still in the MIAC for football they were typically battling it out for the lower end of the um uh, or the toilet bowl so to speak but uh in baseball we both kind of typically outkicked our coverage or whatever we had uh you know a lot of crossover athletes and and um, typically uh had some surprising uh years with baseball so yeah it felt like we had a a lot in common with that team and and then over the, the my over those four or five years um a lot of young guys uh from that were still in school um they started recruit and that really um uh, upped the end even further so I don't know how many of those guys are actually still um on the team, but if they're listening uh Hopefully,
1: you guys are still doing well, and
2: then I uh, hope
1: to make it out to a game sometime when I'm back in the summer. Sure. Well, if you're planning to go in the summer, I would love to attend. Like I haven't been to a amateur game that I haven't participated in in years, and some of the fields around here are really pretty immaculate for how what amateur can bring. It'd be a fun time to just attend and and take a game in. That's quite a bit cheaper than some of the professional teams that are there in the cities or, or around the country.
2: Yeah. Free, free can be pretty cheap. Uh, But yeah, you're right in the, in the, um, in the uh, state tournament or, or the, you know, depending on where that's held, uh, that can sometimes have an admission, but yeah, I would, I would definitely be interested in checking out uh, maybe kind of the end of the summer when they do the the tournament, there's some really good baseball being played, whether it's the, the Millers or, some of the Park National teams, or even you know, some of the Saint Paul teams. So, yeah, it'd be fun to go check it out, see if I recognize anybody. Um, I think, yeah, there's some great fields out there. There's just fields with character, and we we played our home games at freight Stadium, and that field has so much history. It's it's amazing. It's <laughs> you know it's not always the the most uh, well maintained field, but it's definitely got the best <laughs> one of the best views, and. Um, you know, you've had people like Willie Mays play there. You've had all these, all these different um, athletes over the years play exhibition games or college games or uh, semi pro games there. So it, it does feel like when you play there and you go to the new twin stadium and you see some of the photos of uh, town ball teams over the year, it feels like you're part of, you know, an a interesting part of uh,
1: of history. Sure. Well, um, I have a few questions from regular uh, listeners of of this podcast that I wanted to throw at you, and then um, then we can go on from there if that works. And um, if there's anything that's um, too difficult to answer or you want to follow up, I'm sure I can make up a different part of a question that I'm certain somebody would want to ask you. <laughs> does that does that sound good? I'll just
2: yeah, I'll just pretend I'm going under in a
1: tunnel. But yeah, either way works. <laughs> okay, deal. Well, uh, the first question I had is from um, Andy of of Richfield. He's a regular listener, and I don't know if he's listening around, but he was he's wanting to know um, your take on um, the legacies of Barry Bonds versus Matt Williams, and who is the better player in your mind?
2: <laughs> well, I know I'm playing right into Andy's
1: wheelhouse. Um, I
2: I've, I've know Andy, but I've also listened to his his episode and I'm keenly aware of his um, arguments. And I, without, you know, retreading ground, I I would have to say uh, Barry Bonds hands down is the, is the better uh, all around baseball player, even with all the asterisk, um, you you know, you want to put on his numbers. I think just day to day, anyone who hits uh, 40 home runs, steals 40 bases, uh, pre steroids is doing pretty well for himself. Um, but sure. And you know, yeah, it's, I think, I think there's just something to say about, you know, there is a, the, the kind of, you know, you want to be able to look up to, uh, your, your, your players too. So I think it's just a reminder that everyone's human and that, um, baseball is definitely one of those sports that showcases our humanity, uh, you know, showcases some of the, the choices we make. And um, yeah, I think it's, it's careers out there for the record books, but also out there for, you know, the sport to, to, to move forward and kind of hopefully move into a more uh, a game that's focused on, you know, fair play and while well, still looking for an edge, you know, and that's always been kind of the, um, the, the, the back and forth with baseball. There's always been, uh, players trying to get to the top of the game and looking for any kind of an edge, whether it's individual performance or, um, you know, uh, who knows, stacking the deck in in a number of different ways. So it's it's an interesting. He's an interesting player for for the time we uh, we kind of watched him in, and we'll see it'll be interesting to see where the sport goes from here. It seems like it's it's only going
1: up right now. Sure. It, well, I. I read a statistic today that kind of blew my mind a little bit about Barry Bonds, where if you take out his seven MVP seasons and don't count those, the rest of his career, he still had more career war than Ken Griffey Jr. did, which just kind of blew my mind. Like Griffey, other than twins players was easily my favorite player as a kid growing up. and, And I revere him as my favorite athlete as far as what I looked up to whatever role model. I don't know if that's the right word, but whatever that would be as a, as an athlete, as a child. And I saw that and bonds was just at a different level than everybody else. Um, beside the point that he may or may not have used substances that other people may or may not have used at the same point. Um, so I, I, I guess I'm. I'm getting. My point is. Do you? Would you question the intelligence of somebody who would think that Matt Williams was a better player than Barry Bonds, or is that not fair? Well, now, now
2: I. Yeah, I don't want to make this
1: this personal. No,
2: I, I would just say I think baseball is one of those games that's. You know, we can just argue to death, and nobody ever has to agree. I think. Um, you know, there are. Yeah, I would agree. Like there are some interesting. Um, metrics now that, you know, like we used to just call them stats and there was a few that you'd see on the back of a baseball card. It was pretty straightforward, but yeah, like there are some metrics now that can really showcase the all-around um, capabilities of an athlete and it's hard to argue against it. Um, so I think, yeah, I think the intangibles um, were definitely there. I don't know if you'd be the best guy to have around the uh, clubhouse from what I've seen and heard, but you know, sure. again, I, it's so, from my experience, like what I take, I don't know, if Matt Williams, although, you know, I don't know if he was all that better or not, but I would say as a teammate, I would want, I would rather take, you know, uh, somebody slightly uh, less talented if they were going to make the team better and make the game uh, fun to play. But I also feel like, The guy had a a chip on his shoulder for some, some good reasons as well. And as did his dad and, you know, in the end, he ended up proving, you know, to some extent, um, that, uh, he was one of the best, you know, of all time or at least of, of his generation. So, um, yeah. And I should say allegedly, I think as you called out, you know, head growth can happen in older age, I I suppose. Uh, naturally, I haven't seen too much of it, but, um, It it is possible for your head head to grow uh, by factors of of <laughs> by large factors if <laughs> if you're uh, if you're eating healthy. I'm not sure.
1: <laughs> sure. All right. Well, I will. Uh, I have a few other questions from a couple other people, and I I can kind of rapid fire them if you want, or if you want to. Um. um uh, draw out the answer a little bit. It's kind of to you how you want to answer them. We have as much time really as you, as you want to give for this podcast.
2: Let's do it. I'm still on uh, Pacific time, so I can go all night.
1: <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, uh, Will from St. Cloud has a couple of questions. Um, the first one was, what are you wearing?
2: Oh man. Well, I, I did, uh, I was wearing,
1: you know, sort of festive,
2: uh, Attire for for of sure, Christmas get together. I'm now wearing sweatpants and a t-shirt. Um, so that's that's what we're dealing with <laughs> at ten ten thirty on a
1: uh, on a Thursday night. Sure, that, that's a good answer. And then um, his second question can, I, can was, I ask
2: you the same thing, Corey? If you don't mind, I, I don't want to
1: break any protocol here. But oh no, I I am perfectly fine answering that question. I am wearing uh, nothing right now. As Per now, user yeah, per now it podcast. feels like we're on a different kind of podcast. Um, am I getting charged for this?
0: <laughs> no,
1: only about 75 cents a minute. Don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. I thought it wasn't a 1-900 I was dialing. Okay, we're good. No, no, you're good. You should be good. If you're, if you're calling that, then there may be an issue with somebody else, but it's not from me. Okay, okay, good. <laughs>
2: All right, fire away. Let's move right. on to the next question. <laughs> yep, his, fo- <laughs> his follow-up
1: was... Uh, in terms of castles, prefer sand or snow? All right. I'm glad
2: we're getting into the the serious topics. Um <laughs> you know, I'm a Jimi Hendrix fan. I'm gonna go with castles made of sand.
1: <laughs> good, good answer. Period. His last, <laughs> yeah, his there there's really no follow up and that's probably the reason you're choosing to live in Los Angeles at the moment compared to maybe where you grew up.
2: I think I just heard one of your, your fans uh, in the gallery uh, applaud that answer. So
1: I think we're (laughs) we're
2: moving, we're, (laughs) we cover that one. Well, Um, but I will say I did enjoy a a snow castle when, when I did live in colder climates, but um, temperature outside right now does not make me want to build any, any uh, snow castles. That's for sure. No.
1: Yeah. Good answer. Well, so his last his last question, then, will from St. Cloud, is uh, who, who do you who would you say was the best player ever in baseball history, as far as diving headfirst into first base?
2: <laughs> I mean, I think there's no competition. I mean, if if you've paid at all attention to uh, sort of the dark ages of twin baseball, you, you, you're familiar with the all around player that is Nick Punto. Mm-hmm. And uh he's he's really the only the only answer I could come up with at this point.
1: Is that uh, <laughs> does
2: that suffice? Is that the is that what we were looking for?
1: Yeah. I don't think it was a trick question, but I really do believe that there's not a better answer than who you just named. Like I don't yeah, know that think, anybody can name somebody better at that.
2: Well he was, he was certainly the king of unnecessary slides. Uh, into first base, I will say, yeah, I will say that. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I I can't well, I'm really argue glad that, and I will, wouldn't want to. Will has, um, he's got his head in the right, um, in the right direction in terms of what you'd want to ask anybody. I mean, if you're on a first date, those are three really good questions.
1: Yeah. So anybody who is single right now and and looking to meet people. Write those questions down use them. I'm all for it. If you're if you're wanting to meet the right person, it's a good gauge of how intelligent and smart and nice and kind a person is when they can answer questions along those lines. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I have a, a few other people that had questions. They were really interested in your in your thoughts on a few very um, random topics. Uh, The next person I have is Mike from St. Paul. He actually had a more, uh, I don't know if serious is the right word, but he had a a question about youth sports as far as when did you start playing football and knowing what you know about youth sports, baseball, basketball, football, when would you think a good age to uh, have children, kids, start playing football would be?
2: Hmm. Okay. Now, okay, now we're covering some some serious ground. I I think, well, first of all, I, yeah, I played uh, football starting in sixth grade. I um, okay. played soccer all the way up until that point. Um, and, and looking back, I think even though I had a, a really fun time playing the sport, I think things that have been revealed – about the, uh, the impact, um, yeah, not only to with concussions and, and, and so forth, but just, just the, the toll, the toll it takes on your overall uh, body. It, I think there's a, a decent argument to be made that the other football football is, um, uh, decent, sort, decent sport to, to, uh, to stick with as well. And, um, but i think you know i think it it's probably a sport that you should play when when if you're going to play it when you are um more fully grown i think there are some some risks um when you're young and and not necessarily don't have the the right skills or the right technique um but there there is some risk there but the other side of that argument i think if i'm going to argue against myself is the, the bigger, faster, stronger you get as seen in today's NFL or even at the lower levels is also adds to the, the risk because you're, you know, now you're colliding into each other at higher speeds. So I think, you know, it's an, it's a topical question and it's one that I, I think in terms of thinking of my own kids someday, I'll uh, really think twice before I uh, push them in that direction. Of course, I don't know if I can, would stop them for sure or not, but I think I'd, uh, consider some other sports uh, perhaps first. And um, it's an interesting time that we live in. We're actually um, asking that question because it's just a few years ago. It was by many considered America's sport, um, which I hate saying out loud because I think that is truly, and hopefully always will be baseball. But um, yeah, uh, me too. A lot of fun to play (laughs) and it's, you know, it's a really, it's a really, interesting game to play and watch um but i think you know I, it, there's something about it when you look back on it um i i just refer you and me i'm sure you've seen it but the audience to Bill George Carlin stand up routine about football
1: versus baseball
2: i think that's quite telling
0: i have seen it have you, have it's you been seen a while
1: you, i have it's been a while do you want to uh give your best impression of it or should we move on? No, no, I think we should
2: move on. I'll, you can maybe just include a link or something on your, on your, on your podcast, but it, it's funny. I mean, it's, it's genius actually when you think about it. Um, sure. cause I don't think you often do think about, um, some of the roots, uh, of where sport sports come from. Um, and some oftentimes our way of, you know, working out some of the, the things you can't, um, you know, diplomatically, uh, and I think football is one of those where you can take out some aggression, you can organize the troops, so, so to speak, um, and go to battle. And I think baseball is much more of a mental game, much more of a game of patience and, and skill. And, um, and you know, it's more about the individual and the team, as opposed to sort of a group of, of individuals who all kind of have, indiv- have assignments. So, I think it's a. I would call baseball a pure game. That's all. I think that's my where I where I've come to um, to think about the two sports.
1: Yeah, and I'm not going to argue that. I, I don't know why I would anyway, but I I can see that point. Like a lot of football to me, and I I've always appreciated the game of football, even though I never officially played. Um, it is very much a sport that in 2017 there are so many people that are on one side of it wishing that there were more hits or at least maybe the game was played closer to how it was in the 90s or 80s or older where um, that's how they grew into loving the sport because of the hits and because of the injuries. But at the same time athletes nowadays with uh, nutrition programs and and weight you know weight you know um coaches to to help you work out better you're just bigger faster stronger now than you were in nineteen eighty five or nineteen ninety and and injuries are much more potentially lethal nowadays so it's a it's a weird um grasp for me to look at football where like the same Tackle in 1990 by a player is, is a lot harder now than it was then. So injuries just maybe happen more often. So people watching it don't want to see that, but other people do. And it's why they love football. So it's it's, it's a hard game for that to decide, I guess, is how I view football. Where baseball, on the other hand, you have people built like Aaron Judge and you have people built like Jose Al- Altuve, dominating the sport and you don't have to be the biggest and fastest and strongest to do really well at it. And it's, it's interesting on that level for me and in one of many ways as to why I, I appreciate that sport a little bit more.
2: Now, well, there are some Jose Altuve's, but they're all place kickers. So yeah, it doesn't really, (laughs) you can't have quite the same, uh, you're not going to be an MVP of the league. Um, and and be a Jose Altuve playing football. That's for sure. Um, sure. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I think maybe there's some some you know every, it's been a, more of a conversation about well, how do we make the equipment more um, uh, safe or more or secure uh, the players more and and change the rules around to make it a safer game. And I think that's all good done with with good intent. But I think perhaps there's a way of "Quote unquote," saving the game from itself. If you know, perhaps there is a conversation around the 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 style of game that's being played, and maybe yeah, maybe that's not what the fans want to see. They want to see the gladiator match, um, but you know, I think more and more people want to see the, the passing game, the high flying game, and I mean, you can have that game playing seven on seven touch football mm-hmm. um, or flag football, and it's still exciting. I think somewhere in between where maybe the the gear is less focused on protecting you from a head-on head head-on collision and more in line with what you might need uh you know with a form tackle uh or a a, a less um, you know a less violent kind of approach to the game but I don't know if that's that's in the cards but I think certainly the leather helmets and and you know tiny little shoulder pads of of the old days bring those back. I think people might play a little differently. Um, I don't know if that's for the better or worse, but it might, you know, create a less, um, less risky sport to play, especially for,
1: for, uh, for younger kids. Yeah, no doubt. So I, I'm going to move on to the last two people that had questions. Um, the first is from, uh, Jenny from Los Angeles. I think you're aware of, the color that I'm talking about or the fan. Um, her first question was um, she thought she'd read something about you having quote unquote an industrial strength body, but couldn't remember the specifics. And if you remember an article that mentioned those words, if you could give some details on that.
2: Oh, I really know this is coming. Um, yeah, this was this was something that was uncovered a couple of years ago by some coworkers
0: who uh,
2: thoroughly enjoyed the read. Um, let's just say it was a, a bit of a puff piece done in my college uh, college years. <laughs> I was dealing with some injuries and still playing through them, and apparently that made me, um, you know, more machine than man or something. But uh, frankly, I think it was just a some rhetorical flourishes on the part of the writer um i yeah i I, uh repressed all those memories for a while and i guess they're coming back to to haunt me but uh i had no part in the writing (laughs) of those words
1: (laughs) (laughs) well it's almost like when you see when i see the words together industrial strength body it makes me think it's either a perfect bumper sticker or a t-shirt. Was there ever anything like a t-shirt made with those words on it um, in your name? You know, yeah. Now that you
2: mentioned, I feel like it it should have been played up more by my friends. Now I just feel like they were talking behind my back at the time. That's just, that's <laughs> so fun. I want to be in on the joke. Um, I, yeah. I mean, it, there should have been something then. And, you know, and the sort of then and now moment makes me think, you know, or if somebody wrote an article about me now, I think they'd be saying things more, things like dad bod and and things like that. So it gives (laughs) me something to shoot for to get back to to glory
1: days. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you say dad bod, I, I feel like I perfected the dad bod before I ever had kids and it's really, it was a goal of mine. So, um, if you if you have something to shoot for in that way, um, go for it. Shoot for your dreams. That's what I um, support fully. Yeah, we can maybe find the best of both worlds. Industrial dad bod. <laughs>
0: Actually, yeah, it's more sounds, like old, it has man a ring strength.
2: old man strength, not industrial strength. I think that's it. <laughs> All right. Well, well, let's see if
1: Jenny uh, has Jenny anything, from anything else that will publicly ship, embarrass me. Let's One other question. <laughs> Yeah, she had one other question that was possibly not, I don't know if embarrassing is the right word, but she she discussed with me a uh, costume that was created for um, your attendance at the opening night of the recent The Last Jedi, the Star Wars movie. And if you had any thoughts about the artist who helped create that, that X-Wing costume for you, that I can hopefully put uh, okay. out on social media somewhere. <laughs>
2: yes. Um, yeah, if this is somebody who, um, yeah, who f- four years ago had not seen any Star Wars uh, movies. I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about the, uh, the questioner here. And sure. now she's um, uh, asking self-serving questions about her costume making. So it's, it's great. She's come a <laughs> long way she's going to opening night star Wars. She's, uh, you know, asking me detailed questions about uh, the new characters and who, what parents they had and so forth. Um, So I feel like in the end, I, yeah, this is not embarrassing at all. I think it's a, it's a, it's a victory on my part. Um, I'm i I'm definitely an out uh, star Wars fan and I'm proud of it. (laughs) But yes, uh, Jenny did uh, make our costumes. Uh, she put together a, an X-Wing costume for me, kind of on the fly, and um, no pun intended there, and and <laughs> a, uh, a Rose Tico costume, kind of a, a deep cut, one of the new characters um, uh, she went as. So um, she wasn't as recognized since most of the people going on opening night hadn't been maybe following the the ins and outs of the production as I was. So we, we had an early edge on that, but um, hopefully after the movie, a few people noticed.
1: Sure. Well, uh, I have a couple other quick questions. One of them is not Star Wars related. And the other one is from the last uh, fan of the show. And then um, at that point to everyone who's listening and there will be more than we we joked about earlier. There will be more than a dozen of you. um, Shortly, Luke and I are going to talk about the new Star Wars movie. So if you have not seen it, um, I, will, I will give the warning at that point. If you've not seen it, we very likely will bring up parts of the movie um, that could be determined as spoilers. So if you have not seen it and don't want to hear that portion, I'll give the warning at that point to um, shut off the podcast at that point and just burn it and not listen to it until you've maybe seen the movie. But um yeah the last the last questions i had for you were uh from a friend of the show Colin of Minneapolis His first question was are you while you're in Minneapolis or while in, you're in town um accepting any gentleman callers <laughs>
2: hi colin how are you doing um so i am my <laughs> he's calling the right line um Yes, uh I think is we you know I only for a specific type of date. Um I I have seen Star Wars The Last Jedi once. Um I fully intend to see it at least another time in the theater. And so I would just say um join come join me in a dark room with a bunch of strangers.
1: <laughs> I think you just made uh, his year. That's the called But yeah, all, I believe I know he has, but yeah, I agree. <laughs> well, yeah, so the other the other question he had, he he wanted to he actually wanted to question your um Star Wars trivia cuz he said this is a what should be a difficult question for people that don't follow Star Wars lore, but something that if if you're into the Star Wars canon, you would you would know. So I hope it's not too much putting you on the spot for this, but he he wanted to know um, if you could get this answer. Are you ready? I am ready, sir. Fire away. Okay. So Colin's question was, who was Boba Fett's bodyguard?
2: Boba Fett's bodyguard. So is this this might not be an in-movie sort of question. Um Yeah, I don't know if I know this. Uh, I'm, think, I'm thinking back to the prequels when he was he was the like little
1: chap. Um, nope, not from that time. Again, he, uh, think New Hope. <laughs> Colin had to tell me, so I, I, I had to look it up from that. It's from New Hope.
2: Okay, well I know. I, I, oh, I thought he showed up first in
1: uh, Empire. So um, now I'm all. Am I saying around. I might be saying it wrong? I could have said it. I could be wrong. I apologize. It's from the older movies. It's not from the prequels. Okay. Okay.
2: You know, I, so I, it certainly isn't something that's part of the, 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 the theatrical, uh, or the movie experience. It might be something kind of in a, um, in one of the, uh, the, the reader guides. Unfortunately, I think he, he stumped me. So he's, he can sleep well tonight. He's the bigger Star Wars fan. Um, <laughs> now I'm curious though. I, I I feel like if you're going to... I could probably name a few of these
1: compatriot, um Yeah. Uh, I have uh, the answer yeah. right down, so if you want to name any of the the partners, go for it. Otherwise, I can just tell you the answer.
2: Um. Well, there's IG-88. He's like the, the droid um, bounty hunter. There's... Uh, yeah, what's his name? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I'm just going to let you, you throw it out there, and I'll be... I'll be stumped and everybody can laugh at, at the Star Wars fan tonight. <laughs> so
1: who is Boba
2: Fett's bodyguard?
1: So Colin said Boba Fett's bodyguard was someone named Bosk, B-O-S-S-K.
0: Okay. That would have been, I'm I am not. kept
1: going then, yeah.
2: yeah. Okay. He's, well, he's a bounty hunter. Yeah, I... Um, I didn't know he was, uh, he had that kind of uh, privileged role of being Boba Fett's bodyguard. I know they were sort of in cahoots, but um, he's one of the guys you see um, really briefly on the deck of the Star Destroyer when when Darth Vader's kind of uh, letting the, the bounty hunters know um, well I think he tells Boba Fett directly no disintegrations um, when he's uh, giving them instructions for, for chasing um, Han Solo in the, the Millennium Southland. So Vosk is the guy who kind of has a slithering voice and looks sort of like a dinosaurish ish guy. Um, whether he's a, whether bodyguard is the right term, I'm going to have to leave, leave to the, the real experts, but I would say he's a solo bounty hunter, probably in league with, with both sides. So uh, yeah, right. well done. Colin. I, yeah, I,
1: I appreciate your description and I don't know that you're right or not, because I had never heard of, of Bosque. So I I defer to you as far as your description of that and hopefully <laughs> hopefully you and uh Colin's potential date coming up in the next week or so you can discuss that, that further.
2: Okay. Well hopefully he if he he'll at least appreciate that I know that he's a ocean, So that has to score okay. some kind of
1: b- brownie points or something. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it will. I absolutely no <laughs> doubt in my mind that it that, that will brownie paint for points for colin so I'm, I'm glad to hear that well yeah so um at this point of the show we've already gone um we're pushing an hour already so i don't know how much i don't know how long you have here and i i know i i am not able to stay up till midnight but i i would love to talk a little bit about the last jedi i had a couple questions about the movie uh your thoughts on that um if that works for you how, how how does time wise work for you as far as this show goes
2: let's go we're we're getting to my favorite topic so i feel like we're just getting the the momentum as much as i like uh talking about the uh the fruits of baseball over football i would, I would uh, always prefer to talk about the uh the fruits of star wars over star trek oh i don't mean to offend any of your your audience but yeah let's let's fire away get the spoiler alert uh um, graphics out there and yeah i'd love to hear some of your thoughts as well i know you just thought
1: recently sure well yeah so one more time if anybody has is listening right now and it is central time ten fifty-two p.m on thursday december 21st if you have not seen the last jedi i would encourage lift up the rock you're under
2: and get out to a theater. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, well, that
1: first, I agree with that, but if you are planning to see it this weekend, like I know a few people at work are, please uh, turn this podcast off now because we're going to be talking about things from the movie, and I don't want to ruin anything for you if you're just using this as background noise to help your kids fall asleep, which which I'm sure people are doing. Um, Well, yeah, so, uh, Luke, what... You saw the movie on opening night. Have you've only seen it once in theaters, correct? As of as of right now. That's right.
2: Once okay. in theaters, and, uh, may or may not have seen some some scenes on the internet since then because I just couldn't help myself. But yes,
1: once in the theaters. Sure. Okay, and then just generally before we get into specifics, what were your thoughts on the movie?
2: Well, yeah, I think it's it's been an interesting. Um, Movie because you know the the Force Awakens was so much about sort of repositioning the uh, rebooting so to speak repositioning the franchise for this generation and under the Disney era and it had to do certain things to to satisfy um, so many different people including people that didn't even you know know they were Star Wars fans yet and so coming off of that there was so much anticipation for um, where this could go and would it feel more like a prequel or would it feel like the original um, or would it be somewhere in between? And I think my first take coming out of the theater was it, it did feel like somewhere in between. I mean, it didn't have the, uh, what they call like world building of the prequels or uh, it didn't sort of hammer things home so much like that did where everything was kind of exposition. Um, it, but um but it, it did have kind of this, um, I don't know. It tapped into this, uh, mythology. I think that, that maybe the force awakens is a little thin on, um, you know, it, I think it, it tapped in kind of what, what could the force be, uh, beyond just kind of a, a loose definition or sort of what the prequels, uh, tried to kind of create some science around with the midi-chlorians. I think with the last Jedi Jedi, it, it really got into um, a larger uh, universe and set the tone for, you know, nine, but clearly probably more movies to come. I mean, they have, Disney has $4 billion invested in this. They're probably going to make a movie a year for, in perpetuity. So I I feel like it was a nice nod to the the people who are maybe anxious about Disney going safe um, with all the movies. And just kind of retreading old ground, I think I found myself, yes, there were definitely some fan theories that I had or I, I subscribed to that maybe were cast aside or weren't even dealt with or were uh, subversively dealt with. And I didn't know if I liked it at first or at least liked that aspect of it because it wasn't fulfilling all my all my wishes, but it, it got to some things that I didn't know I wanted. Um, and I think it was just a fun movie, you know. Much like The Force Awakens was fun, this was a movie where, you know, it was fun, but it was also unexpected. I think, and um, I think you know, it's been interesting to kind of take my reaction personally against, you know, now that we're living the, the Twitterverse and the and and on Reddit or any <laughs> other forum, you hear so many different reactions at once. You want to make sure you're. All right, what do I actually think versus all these all this other analysis? And I think that's what seeing it again will be helpful to really take it in. I think um, all Star Wars, when it's good or when it's at its its best, it's it's rewatchable, and you you can always find new little nuggets and new little pieces to take away from it. And I thought there was a lot of depth to this movie that maybe The Force Awakens, perhaps because it was the first movie of the trilogy or because it was a reboot of sorts, uh couldn't afford to get into um so yeah, I, I think overall was was pleased. I, I think as a as a fan score, not just like a film critic score, I would give it a nine out of ten, honestly, I think um I think that will hold up the second viewing. Um but uh sure it'll be interesting. Yeah, I I'm curious to hear what you think because you 'cause you're you're right up there with me as a Sellers fan and and uh, I know you really liked The Force Awakens. And that was, for some people, not, not everybody's favorite movie. I know a lot of people like Rogue One because it sort of felt like the original trilogy a little bit more at times. So what was your thoughts about The Last Jedi? And were you, I guess, you know, spoiler alert, were you happy with how, what it did to, you know, probably what was many people's
1: hero growing up? Sure. Well, yeah, that was part of the complaints that I've read a lot as far as um, kind of dunking on a lot of the themes that came from the original three movies. Um, Ray showing up right away and giving the lightsaber to Luke and him just tossing it aside like it's garbage or the cow alien large thing that he milked to get the the bluish disgusting milk that he just drank like some of those things were uh memories from the older (laughs) movies or even the idea that like Snoke is this enormous bad character like Darth Vader was in the original movies and and just to kind of toss him aside midway through the movie it it felt different than it felt basically saying like um maybe not that the older movies were garbage because obviously they weren't, they created the series, but um, to, in, in my mind it was fresh and new and saying that it could um, be Star Wars again, as far as being fresh and new again, in terms of a movie experience. And I I appreciated it for that. It was, it was, it was enjoyable. And, and I, I, I think this last Jedi to me was, was a, surprisingly good for um, what it was (laughs) built up to be. Like I loved Rogue One and I thought, I thought um, The Force Awakens was really good, but I loved Rogue One more than The Force Awakens. And and this one I I liked more than either, to be quite honest. I think I agree.
2: I think, I I mean, what you just said made a lot of sense. I think the, um, we, you get so connected to, the way the stories were told and, 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 you forget that the, yeah, Star Wars was breaking new ground in the seventies and early eighties. And it was taking old, old uh, tropes and old um, mythology and sort of making it relevant for that era. And I feel like, okay, fast forward, um, how many years it's been 40 years now. yeah 40 and now years, we're in a yeah. position where, yeah, now we're in a position where, we're not in the same world we were then there's, there's different um, dynamics and there's different humor and, and there's kind of a, a monitoring of the franchise. And I think that was already evident in the force awakens, but um, with the last Jedi, I think it took it a step further and sort of, um, yeah, I don't know if the right word subverts the expectation where you think you're going to get kind of this retread of empire strikes back. And in some ways you, you do, but then at the last minute it sort of pulls, Pulls the rug out for me and says, "Oh, not so fast." Um, and I, what was, I think, really intelligent, and I definitely feel like it was the best written Star Wars movie um, ever, in my opinion, in terms of the uh, the, the intelligence and emotional um, kind of connection that it had um, across so many different levels, not just with a couple main characters, um, but it, I think what it what it does is it yeah, it takes people like us, or maybe even uh, a generation um, older than us who even grew up during the during the original and some in the theaters. Um, it kind, of, kind of takes their expectations and and says you don't have to make it like it was then. That that it was what it was, and it was in a, in a way like to quote Obi Wan Kenobi, it was a simpler time. <laughs> um,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
2: you know when when laser swords would uh, would do your, your battling for you. And now it's, now you're, now you're teleporting or not teleporting, but projecting yourself across the galaxy and, and you're, or you're, uh, you know, uh, going into light speed to take out the opposing uh, mega star destroyer. And you're doing these things that were always possible in the Star Wars universe. Um, Cause some of the force powers that were showcased here were evident um, in the what they call now the um, uh, legends or what was used to be called this expanded mm-hmm. universe, like the books and movie game, um, uh, video games. And I think, yeah, it sort of pays homage to some of those, those aspects without being quite as uh, clunky or uh, hokey as some of those storylines, um, many of those storylines uh, were. So, I mean, I feel like it was, just like force awakens was a great star Wars movie made by a fan of star Wars and and to some people that felt like a a fan theory or fan ish movie. You could say the same. I mean, I think anything made by somebody other than George Lucas is always going to be a bit of a step removed from the original uh, intent or the original source. But I think it's, it's also uh, it's, it's, Feels good that you know somebody like Ryan Johnson, the director here, or uh, the other people they have involved, uh, have such an appreciation for the lore, but also for you know, yeah, breaking new ground and making it seem fresh for uh, today's audience. So, yeah, it was hard to take some of those um, moments the first time, but I think that's where I feel like rewatching it and talking about it, and discussing it, break it down. Um, it's going to be that much more enriching over time. And by the time episode nine comes, I feel like a lot of people are going to be just as hungry as they were for this one. And just as full of new theories. And, and I think that's in the end what, what it's all about. It's about like people are in love with the star Wars story. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, It's it's not just about whether so-and-so did this or they did this with that character. And it's just about, Making a, an interesting story in in a galaxy far, far away, and and making it somehow feel like it could be here, and you know. So I think it's it'll be exciting to see your kids playing with their lightsabers
1: now, and and <laughs> what kind of stories they'll be able to grow up with as well. Sure, and I I I'm starting to think about what an appropriate age would be to have them start watching it. I don't I don't think three that they are now necessarily is that, but five. Or six, I think I, I'm excited to get them into watching the original Star Wars and move on to the newer movies. Now it's to, to I'm excited to share that experience with them because I I, I didn't appreciate the movies growing up, and I, I haven't read the comics or, or uh, the video games or the other backstory, but just appreciating the movies for what they are. I'm excited to get them into that too at some point. But um, there were a few moments in the in the movie that were. Um, to me, especially reading about it online afterwards, were completely different from anything that's happened in Star Wars before. And I, 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 at least in my understanding of it, so maybe I, I just wanted to get your viewpoint on a few things that happened that um, I just didn't see coming. Um, the first was. Uh, the the tracking through light speed that's something that's never been possible before and um if if you're able to appreciate the star wars movie for what it is and and not have to have a hard line on saying well they've never done that so it's not possible like that makes a lot of sense but w- what was your seeing it live for the first time for you what what were your reaction when what was your reaction when you when you heard that uh um that there was capability of tracking through light speed,
2: actually, you know without i hadn't thought about it that much until you just asked and I, and I think now that you've asked it, it was one of the few sticking points with me where i I did like a lot of the new ground, I thought this one was a little unnecessary um as a plot point, I guess or as some sort of an innovation um you know I think. So with The Force Awakens, you go from, you know, a Death Star, which can blow up a planet to now, uh, fire, you know, taking the, all the resources from an a, a adjacent sun and spewing it across the galaxy in hyperspace and blowing up several planets at once. And, you know, that was pretty, obviously, mm-hmm. even more far-fetched than, than before. And I realized at that point, okay, they got up the ante, they decided to kind of retread the you know, the big battle station sort of, um, uh, you know, big baddie kind of ending. And that was to me maybe a a, a bit of a, a low point for that movie, but I understood why they, they wanted to do it. I think with this one, yeah, there's definitely these moments where you felt like from a, you know, like a Star Wars technology standpoint, they wanted to up the ante. So they made the biggest Star Destroyer you've ever seen. They made, um <laughs> Uh, the ability to, or you know, the I'm trying to think of what else there was. Um, but yeah, to your question, this this seemed like an excuse to give Finn and and his counterpart in the movie Rose, the new character, I think a you know an excuse to give them a plot point to go have to go do something. Um, so I, I think overall, that reminded me of how that storyline was a little bit um, out of the uh, shall we say kind of part of the the movie? I mean, I think there were some scenes they uncovered when they're on the casino planet um that I think were came full circle well at the end with with the kid in the stable and reminds you that it's more than just yeah. the the skywalkers or the, or the the few folks in the galaxy that are driving the action, but I felt like that whole side sequence maybe you know was um a bit of a a MacGuffin or whatever you want to call it, like a bit of a unnecessary uh, distraction. Um, and, and the whole purpose, yeah, like just to, to try to stop them from tracking light speed. I get that. I mean, that kind of helped, allowed them to maintain this sort of chase sequence, but um, I feel like it, I'm not sure what that's going to do to future movies. Then um, it used to be that you could, the rebel fleet would zap away and, um, you know, that would be sort of their saving grace, right? Um, they uh-huh. get to go to a new base and set up camp until, you know, an Imperial pro or something yeah. was bottom. And now it's like, is this here to stay? That sort of maybe takes away some, some options for the future. So I'm curious to see how that will be dealt with in the next movie. Clearly, uh, you know, yeah, that, the, whatever it was called, the, the supremacy or whatever, the, the biggest um, Star Destroyer was, the, you know, destroyed, but they still probably have the underlying technology. So I wonder if sure. they still just cast that aside or, or use it in the future, but it feels like it maybe makes things a little more, uh, makes the universe or the galaxy seem a little smaller with, with that capability. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it was fun to see it push and, and get into new directions. I think my feeling was more—I was more excited about the way the force was used and and how that mm-hmm. kind of came in unexpected ways. Um, and that brings me to, I think, one of the other controversial uh, uh, moments, um, which yeah, seems to kind of I, I had two others, but you was, want to bring up one first? Go for it. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe it's probably one you were thinking of too, because I think that's—it's definitely it's hard to ignore that. Hey, this is the first time Leia's used the force. Um, yeah. Uh, in a, in a way that wasn't just sort of an intuitive, like, Oh, Luke's in trouble or, or, uh, Oh, Han just, just died. Um, mm-hmm. And I think everyone who's seen the movie knows what we're talking about. Um, yep. What was your thoughts on that? How did you, do you feel like that was executed
1: well? Do you feel like. Yeah. That it was that to necessary. Me, you you to the, kind of mentioned yeah, it too that was the only moments of the movie that I was like, uh, I don't know if I can get behind this. <laughs> like if you, if you're okay, like just not putting on blinders and saying, all right, I'll roll with anything. Like you just take it for what it is. But I, I kind of wish it would have just been done a little bit differently as far as her, um, floating back to the, the base and getting the medical care she needs. Like it could, to me, it could have been done a little bit differently, and I don't even know how to explain what differently is. Like I'm not, I'm not going to be in that role, but seeing it, what they did, felt odd to me. I guess. What did you think?
2: Yeah. No, I agree. I don't know if I disagree with the choice of of doing it. Um, mm-hmm. I put put a different way. I think her her using the force in a, in a way that wasn't a result of sort of, you know, Jedi training or, or a mm-hmm. skill that she had learned, but more of a, almost like at an instinctual level, like her, the force was like compelling her to, or her body to um, act, to to save herself perhaps for a larger purpose. I know um, it's yeah. been said that, episode 9 was going to be sort of Leia's certain um call or her um her big movie and unfortunately um with the passing of, of Carrie Fisher that's not going to happen mm-hmm. as at least at a high level as it was originally designed which is um, unfortunate for a number of reasons but I think it sure I think I'm really glad that you know in retrospect now with with her passing that there was an opportunity to kind of answer that question for a lot of fans because I think um I don't know if you're aware of this, they they've now sort of, obviously there's the, uh, the Yoda quote from uh, Empire Strikes Back where he says there's, um, there's another, and we find out that's Leia in the next movie. Um, we've, we've also found out through other uh, sources, other, or other uh, media that um, Yoda actually intended to train Leia before Luke. It was sort of Obi-Wan's okay. insistence that they, tr- that they train Luke. Um, that pushed things forward in the original trilogy. trilogy. But Yoda felt, because I think they had sort of this, he yeah, had this capacity to sort of, I don't know, monitor, seems a little creepy, but sort of understand uh, <laughs> what was going on with the Skywalkers um, from afar and understand what they were up to. And he sensed that Leia was the more sort of mature, more, had a better head on her shoulders. Luke was this kind of impetuous, uh, you know, <laughs> You know, we all know how he is in New Hope. He's, he's kind of a, a whiny, uh, whiny uh, teenager. Um, but he obviously grows up along, a, a lot of the way. But I think Leia's always been kind of that that core, that um, that more s- strong, sturdy character uh, throughout. And so I think a lot of people are like, well, what, what's stopping her from tapping into this? You know, is it just,
0: sure. you, know, you
2: can't really think of too many good reasons. So I think the fact that it came and it was, you know, this acceptance that maybe it was too late for her to be getting uh, formal Jedi training or she clearly had more other responsibilities to deal with that. Yeah. There was this moment where it all kind of connected and she, um, you know, maybe it wasn't even something she willed, but just something that was willed, you know, through her. But like you were saying, I think the execution of it, you know, I don't know. I think it felt that felt a little bit like I was, not that was like one of those moments where you're not, you not you realize you're watching a movie that like you're not like in
0: mm.
2: in the movie you're not you're not in it you're kind of you could have been in maybe a marvel movie or 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 something like that where it feels like a little more uh, third person so i don't know if it would yeah. have just been like different different shots of that or uh you know or or quicker kind of succession of of the of the different shots. I'm not sure. I'm not a a filmmaker, but I think that there's maybe a a tweak here and there that could have made that a little more easy to swallow.
1: Sure. Well, so I had two other quick questions for you about your thoughts from the movie and one other just like um, thought of mine at the end. Uh, The first one that I wanted to ask you about that was totally new to me too. And it was the first moment for me in the movie where I I kind of tensed up and like kind of just maybe out loud maybe not I don't remember said oh God they're doing this where uh, Laura Dern's character and I don't remember her name the character's name now the um the person who took over for Leia when Leia was getting the medical yeah, attention her, her name is uh, Admiral Holdo Holdo okay when Holdo, when yeah. she Turned the ship around, and all in that moment, everyone started to realize that she was going to ram the other ship and do a suicide mission. Like, I I don't know. (laughs) I wasn't ready for that. Like, part of me just kind of thinks like um, uh, going to light speed, you've never seen anything in Star Wars hit something else ever in light speed and that's just not that was just foreign to me and and then when that happened when she was doing that to save the other ships that had no way to defend themselves it made sense but it still was just shocking uh what did what did you think about that moment
2: yeah i thought it was it was a one of the best moments of the movie i think for a number like i think from a completing kind of I may mean, her arc was a little less important than how it maybe impacted um, sort of Poe who is going through this kind of struggle of you know being this rash uh, hot hothead or hot shot pilot trying to kind of fly by the seat of his pants um, and kind of realizing the the burdens of, of leadership are of, sometimes making uh, you know tougher choices and I think she the way she kind of you weren't sure if she was really the right person for the job at first he doubted like whether she was willing to take uh, the risks um, and then yeah he, he, before you have a chance to even think twice she's you know in a sense one of the big heroes of the movie um,
0: mm-hmm.
2: I thought was really cool and and, and it was cool and then it kind of taught him a lesson that there's there's more to leading than just um, kind of winning the mission or something. Um, and mm-hmm. and I think the above and beyond all that, at the the way it was shot. I think again, it was one of those moments where like it was unique to any other Star Wars movie. Like the sound went out, you see all these sort of black and white flashes and different kind of uh,
0: uh,
2: semi slow mo shots of it, and then like this big loud boom, and it was just <laughs> yeah. I think it you know, there's gas. In the, in the theater when, when that happened and I thought that was something that is just one of those moments you can't I mean you'll you'll expect it next time you see it but the first time you see it it, it is such a shock and um, a really cool way of envisioning this thing that is bound to happen right you're going to light speed you're going to run mm-hmm. into something eventually you know usually probably not on <laughs> purpose and, and I thought that was a really interesting way to um, you know kind of go after the, the the bad guys who had all the big bad weapons, and you know, I mean, obviously they're down to their last, you know, couple dozen or so um, on the on resistance. So it was cool to see the, what what they're willing to do to to kind of keep everyone uh, or keep the cause going, and, and and what the right decision meant at any given time. Yeah, and there was those. That's what made it feel a little different than Star Wars. I know some people on the on the internet. It's just. It, occurred to me at a few moments in the movie thought it felt at times kind of like the story Galactica, which I'm not sure if you, have you seen that Corey? I haven't.
1: I haven't really watched it. Okay.
2: And yeah, we don't have to get into the details, but it, there are moments of this that are, that kind of parallel that story, which I thought were interesting because it's a very well-written show, but it, it really does get to the, the heart of like, if you're down the last X number of people in your, in your, your race or your cause, what kinds of decisions are the right ones. And a lot of times it's not clear until um, after the fact, but um, it was a unique kind of moment and, and set of circumstances for, uh, for a Star Wars
1: movie for sure.
2: Now I, I want to ask yeah. you a quick question if you don't mind.
1: Yeah. yeah. How did you feel about
2: the, um, how did you feel about the, uh, the, the scene with, I think you kind of already mentioned you weren't expecting the, the big baddie Snoke to, to lose it so quickly and so uh, abruptly. Um, d- did you feel like that was satisfying after you had a chance to kind of think about how it affected um, the main characters, particularly Kylo, or, or was it still kind of like, oh, well, what, what's the big deal with this guy? How did he get to be so powerful if he was so easy to take
1: down? Yeah, that that's kind of what it was. Uh, honestly, going into the movie, not knowing anything about what would happen, I kind of just assumed that Snoke would be the bad guy to defeat, potentially or people with Snoke in the third, the ninth movie overall. So I I I, I just had no, I I had no idea that um, him going midway through this movie was something that was even um, an option, I guess. So, like, once once you saw Kylo um, making the lightsaber turn towards Snoke, you, you knew it was about to happen, but even then I, I was still surprised to see it go the way it did, uh, but you're right, like, thinking about it after the movie or even during, like, it makes total sense to to make Kylo, the main evil person to go after, compared to some some character that's kind of become bigger because of Force Awakens and 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 what Snoke was like during that movie compared to the other movies in the in the previous part of the of of the series, um, and yeah, just seeing Snoke cut in half and his fairly gross face laying there lifeless. Uh, certainly made him seem like it was uh, less powerful than maybe we should have been making him out to be before that point. Right. What, what did you think about that that moment? Yeah,
2: I I I I love it in retrospect. I think at the time, again, it was just, mm-hmm. just like it seems like such a. Um, you know, like you said, like it was like Luke casting aside the lightsaber right away. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, I guess we're done with that. Um, we're we're doing this now, but, yeah. <laughs> right, right, but I think once it sinks in, and yeah, I didn't, I wasn't all that attached to begin with, but yeah, for he was certainly very compelling in the the couple of scenes leading up to that, and has him really. Uh, I mean, he there was a bit of the Emperor in him because he kind of had that sarcastic, you know sort of toying with Roy, Ray, sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, do you know something I don't know? And, and, and it it was cool. I liked how it was like that. And it felt like this, it was like the last Jedi or the return of the Jedi in a lot of ways where, you know, Kylo was Darth Vader and he ultimately made a similar choice. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, although that was, yeah, like you said, you'd expected that in episode nine. So when it came here, that and among you know the that along with the the Luke Skywalker kind of arc in this movie made really made yeah. it feel like it was almost the the finale um mm-hmm. rather than rather than a middle chapter so i think i think the yeah there's definitely they have their work cut out for them to kind of set up a i mean certainly kylo is the big bad guy at least as far as we can tell um but it will be interesting to see whether they bring in some other kind of a you know, a Count Dooku-esque character, or another Padawan, uh-huh. or some some other bad guy to kind of mix it up. Or obviously, I think they're gonna have some some time pass between this movie and the next one, because <laughs> it's not gonna be much of a fight if the the couple uh, dozen Resistance folks try to go up against them in the near near time. But um, yeah, I think it, yeah, it raises a lot of questions about. Um, and maybe if I have one critique overall with the new movies is do they, did they really know where this was going when they first started out? I, I doesn't seem like it. It seems like each movie is kind of its own animal and they're crossing their fingers that some, you know, JJ in this case is going to, um, uh, you know, wrap it up, um, or at least provide a kind of a fulfilling three part uh, story. And obviously it'll probably keep going to some extent, but, um, I think it was one of those where like everybody's imaginations went wild with who Snoke is, where he came from. And in the Mm -hmm. end, yeah, he was all powerful, but um, you know, these, this connection or this, uh, you you know, and I won't go off the rails too much here, but I think Mm -hmm. there, I have seen an interesting theory present itself about uh, Kylo Ren and that is it possible maybe he doesn't know all of it uh, consciously, but that he almost is a, his goal from the start could have been to dismantle the first order. Um, there are some interesting hints at that if it, if it were to play out that way. And again,
0: mm-hmm.
2: that's where I think it's a little, it's a little tough to get too far invested in these theories. Cause I'm not sure if anybody at Lucasfilm or Disney actually, Thought it all out anyway but it's it's almost like as a fan can you present a palatable theory and maybe they'll follow it or who knows but I think there's an interesting story it's not necessarily a redemption because he's done some bad things it's more of did he do these bad things with some long term goal in mind Um, you know knowing that when he did these bad things um, when he killed certain good guys or girls it was in the it was because he was in the presence of the first order or, or people that would see it, and so that kind of reinforced this um, you know this the aspect that he was going to be Darth Vader, but in the end, is he looking for something you know different? I think at the at sure. the end of this movie kind of says, well, it sounds like he's just drunk on power and wants to run everything hmm. kind of the way. Garth Vader wanted to do with Luke uh, when he asked him to join him or, or, or with um, Padme when he asked him to, to rule the galaxy with her. I mean, that's also possible. It's very Skywalker thing to do, but I think part of me wants there to be something where, you know, he may go down with the ship, but his goal was to sort of kind of get rid of the, the apparatus that was, um, causing all the the, the pain in the galaxy and, you know, maybe unwilling or maybe unknowingly at first, but um, it seems like there's a possibility of that kind of uh, storyline could take place. So I don't know. I don't know if that's the right way to, to spin it or if he's just irredeemable and clearly a bad guy. I just, when you watch it, it's hard to, especially the way he connects with Ray, it's hard to feel like he's, um, he's just to the core of a, a bad dude, you know,
1: it feels like he's pretty conflicted. Sure. And wow. I, I appreciate that out of him. It's <laughs> like, nice. Yeah.
2: I'll take off my, my tinfoil hat now and
1: get off my soapbox. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> no, I, I appreciate it. I, I feel like we could go a lot longer and I'm, I, I don't want to take more of your time. I, I, I loved this, this time that we were able to chat. Um, I, I, I'm going to end the show pretty soon here, but I just one more time. Um, If you could say your name for the show for people that are still, the two two other people that are listening, your name. And if you want people to connect with you on um, social media or email, uh, if you want to share, if you want to, you don't have to. If you want to share anything along those lines for how people could connect with you to talk about baseball or or football or Star Wars, um, feel free. But you don't have to.
2: Um, yeah. Well, I I'm not all that active on social media
1: these days, so it's
2: probably not the best hmm. way to, to find me. But I feel like um I will take a look at I, you have a Facebook page for this for the yeah. podcast? Yeah. So I'll I'll try to I'll try to follow that a bit more and, and yeah, if there's folks that are on there and interacting, I'll I'll try to weigh in there. It'll be give me an excuse to have Facebook every once in a while. Um yeah, but my name's uh Luke Mueller Liley and it was a pleasure and honor and uh and a lot of fun to, to join you tonight, Corey. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, no doubt. This was great. I really had a blast too. So thank thank you for your time and uh let's uh let's hang out again this weekend. Um if anything else. Sounds like a plan. Alright, well yeah, this was uh baseball is good and I hope everyone who's still listening has a has a great evening. Have a good night, Luke. All right, good night. And Star Wars is good.
0: Star Wars is good.